We're going to be in the scriptures today in Matthew chapter 26, continuing a series on prayer. You can find the YouTube links to some of the earlier teachings uh, that I've done from January through now, a couple of other messages on prayer. This is the third one in the series, and this morning we're going to look at Jesus in Gethsemane and the prayer and the context of what was happening there. The title today is Keep Watch With Me. Keep watch with me. In Matthew 26, verse 36, Scripture says, Jesus went with them to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to his disciples, sit here while I go over there and pray. Now let's, uh, if you have your Bibles, just to Matthew chapter 26, let's just refresh our memory to the setting here. In Matthew 26, just before this, the disciples have had the Lord's Supper or the Last Supper with Jesus. And he's teaching them about the, the bread, his body being broken and his blood being given. And he's setting forth what we practice now in the church called communion. We continue that practice in remembrance of this moment. So that dinner has just happened, the last dinner. And then note in verse 30 of Matthew 26... It says, when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. So after they had finished the meal, they sang together. Now the, the scholars tell us that they sang Psalms 113 through 118. That would be the normal hymns sung during the Passover. So it's, it's very interesting. If we have time, we'll, we'll go back there. But Jesus is about to enter the darkest period of his life on earth. And right before he does that, he's singing psalms of thanksgiving to the Lord. It's just remarkable. It's right there in verse 30, but it's pointing us to this practice, the halal, as the, the um, Jews would have practiced, to sing these scriptures at Passover and giving thanks to God for his works. It's, it's really profound. So from verse 30 then, they've had dinner, they've sang these psalms, these passages of Scripture together, and then in verse 31 it says, Jesus told them, this very night you will all fall away on account of me, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I have risen, I will go ahead of you into Galilee. In verse 33, Peter replied, even if all fall away on account of you, I never will. Verse 34, and Jesus said to him, I tell you the truth, this very night before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. In verse 35, but Peter declared, even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. And all the other disciples said the same thing. That's leading up right to this verse. This is the next verse. And then Jesus went with them to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to his disciples, sit here while I go over there and pray. So the context here is the Last Supper, this intimate moment. Jesus has taught them about the breaking of his body. He's foreshadowed what is to come. He's told them plainly what is to come. They have had this time of celebrating worship together, sang together. And then in, in the middle of that, presumably maybe while they're walking from where they ate, to the Mount of Olives where the Garden of Gethsemane would be. He's having a conversation about them all 
denying them. And he's quoting scripture about how basically I'm, I'm the shepherd. I'm going to be stricken and you're all going to scatter. But I'm going to rise again. But it was just so much for their brains to grab that Peter, Peter just says, and I love the zeal of Peter here. Even if everybody else does it wrong, I'm going to do it right. You ever felt like you're the only one doing it right? Friends, we, we have to be careful when we're the only ones doing it right. Jesus' invitation is to keep watch with him. It's an open invitation for all of his disciples. Keep watch with me. Stay vigilant. Stay alert. Don't let the things of this world distract you. Don't let your own schedule make it so busy that you don't have time alone with me. Don't, like Peter, be so puffed up that you think you're okay and all the other Christians are the ones that need the teachings and the help and get their life right. Peter says, even if all fall away, I never will. Now Jesus knew what was in Peter's heart. He knew that it was zeal. He knew that it was excitement. But he also knew that Peter was putting too much confidence in his own flesh, right? Peter was too confident in his probably being trained really well as a Christian in his house, being very well discipled. He was confident in his teaching and his upbringing. He was confident that he had been chosen. He was one of the chosen ones. He was confident in the fact that he had a special relationship with, with Jesus. He was one of the three but his confidence was misplaced. And he wasn't able to hear what Jesus was saying. I wonder sometimes in, in our lives if our confidence is misplaced. It just it slips a little bit. We're a little bit too reliant on our past teachings and our past life with God and our past uh, upbringing. And we're in a moment with God when he's inviting us to keep watch. And we're like, yeah, that's a good word. In fact, everyone else should, should listen to this. But, but me, I'm already, you know, I'm already there. This is good. This is good. In fact, I know other people that need to hear this or get in with this. But um, thank you, God, that you already have me there. You following me a little here with just... I, I think it's just a... When, when you're well-churched, it's just one of our temptations for being well-churched and brought up in a, a Christian home, you know? It's just you kind of feel like you're there uh, already, and Jesus is like... Nah. No, trust me, you know, you know you're not. Um, there, there's more. There's more for you. Keep watch with me, and you'll get to participate in the more. But if you've already arrived, we're, we're going to get kind of lazy in the keeping watch, and we're going to miss the more. Right? If, if we're already there, we don't need to stay alert for more. We have everything that we need. Peter thought he had everything he needed to stand up for his faith and be willing to die. He says, even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. And I believe Peter believed himself, right? You ever been so sure about something? You're so right about something, and then it turns out you're wrong? Yeah, I mean, you were just 100% sure, and you were just 100% wrong. We, we can all be like Peter at times, and, and here is Jesus in the darkest moment of his life, and he's got, you know, these young, zealous, righteous people with him that really don't have any clue what's about to unfold. And, I, and I've, I just see God's grace in this passage, the grace of Jesus in this passage, for how many times I have been Peter, for how many times I have uh, not seen how 100% wrong I have been, 
And praise God for marriage because that takes care of some of it. And uh, parenting takes care of some other. Uh, but, but still, as, as we grow in our faith and as we grow older and as we walk with God, there's just more times for us to be wrong. There's more times for us to find out that what we have held so closely is not exactly um, always right. And, and it's interesting here where Jesus is inviting his disciples in verse 27. He actually takes Peter and James and John, the sons of Zebedee, with him. So he's, he's, he's gone over here. He's put his disciples over there. Then he says, James, Peter, and John, you come with me. Now, Peter's already just said all of this, right? But look at the grace of Jesus to just go ahead and bring Peter with him. Even though he's full of self-confidence and, and just like he's going to do this and everybody else is going to fall but him. But he goes ahead and he brings Peter over with him and, and James and John. And he leaves them at a different place. He began to be sorrowful. He let them see some of his emotion. He let them see him in a different light. He began to be sorrowful and troubled in front of them, in their company. And then he said to them, verse 38, My soul is very sorrowful even to death. It's a very powerful statement. Of course, you know, Jesus being fully man and fully God, we're seeing the fullness of, of that expression lived out perfectly. In his humanity, he's sorrowful even unto death. Isn't he? In his humanity, he's feeling the weight of the cross and the weight of the moment. And it's interesting that he chose to share that with James and John and Peter. He didn't have to. He let them in to that close place with him. He let them in. Guys, we already know, so you see, we know the end of Peter's story. So we know he's going to deny Jesus. We, we know how that's going to go. But Peter doesn't know that. Peter's chock full of confidence, totally believing that he's the model Christian. And Jesus brings him in anyway. It's the grace. It's God's grace. And Jesus chooses to share this with him, to share this very intimate portrayal of what's happening inside of him as he endures the weight of the moment that's impending. And then he invites them to remain here and watch with me. And this is where I get the title of the message. Watch with me. Friends, I believe as disciples, God is not hiding his invitation from any of us that all of us have been invited in through the Holy of Holies to a place of intimacy in the throne room of God where we're actually walking with God in these intimate moments and he's sharing not only his vision and passion but his emotion with each one of us that would come close and keep watch with him. It's not for a select few. When Jesus tore the veil on the cross, he made a way for man to come into the presence of God. Instead of just that one high priest once a year, now everyone could approach God. But sometimes in our churches, we kind of leave this up to the intercessory department or the prayer department. It's like, you go get alone with Jesus and we're going to, you know, you empower us to keep moving. And Jesus is like, wait a minute. Would you keep watch with me? Would you walk with me? Would you let me trust you with the intimate things that are on my heart? Just like I did with, with James and Peter and John. Would you listen to what's on my heart? Would you carry my heart? Would you let my heart burden you? 
I say, Lord, I want, I want to be that disciple, but sometimes maybe I'm too busy being Peter. You know, I'm too busy saying, I already got it, God. I already know what's going on here, and I'm never going to leave you. And Peter's like, Jesus is like, just, just listen, listen. I'm, I'm overwhelmed. My, my heart is broken. I mean, you know, God's heart is broken for the lost of this world. I mean, his heart breaks for the lost, and his heart rejoices when one comes home. Just like your name, return, returning to him, returning to the first love. His heart is broken, and every time he sees one of his creation, one of his created sons and daughters come back to him to be his adopted son and daughter, as uh, born-again son and daughter, there's great celebration in heaven. There's great expression of emotion in heaven. It's one of the times we see where the angels actually join in and celebrate with earth in those moments. God's heart is is burdened with the plight of those who are away from him, and yet his grace is so patient with them. So here we are. Watch with me. That's the invitation. It's the invitation for every Christian. It's the invitation for us today and us tomorrow and our children behind us. And any Christian, watch with me. Verse 39, we continue. This now gets into the prayer of Jesus. And in the prayer of Jesus, I want to put this through the same grid that we've been looking at the last couple of weeks. He says, my father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Again, in his full humanity, he's totally submitted. He's totally one with God the Father, but he's feeling the weight of the cross. And so in the same breath, let it pass. But nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. So let's let's diagram this real quick. So we're going to use the same model, this prayer, this communication. You talk and God listens. God talks and you listen. And this is a healthy, dynamic prayer life. And we're going to look at this just quickly in the life of Jesus. In the Garden of Gethsemane, the words coming up to the Heavenly Father are, let this cup pass. The words, the assignment is, die on the cross, right? Now, never is this actually in question. Never is this in question, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. We know the purpose that Jesus came. It's never in question whether or not he's going to do this. That's not what this verse is saying. It's not a matter of obedience. It's a matter of us getting a window into the the immensity of the struggle. It's showing us the the humanity of Christ and also the deity of Christ in one prayer. And friends, I think it's a great model for prayer. How many of you have been in something that you would rather not be in? And, and you pray these things, God, is there any other way? Take it from me. Is there any other way? And I think those prayers are fine as long as we end it the same way Jesus did. Yet not my will, but yours be done. In essence, God, if you're calling me to walk through this valley, if you're calling me to endure this struggle, then I know you're going to get me through it, and I'm committed to it. So he ends the prayer, not as I will, but as you will. Now on another scale, we're seeing the will of the Heavenly Father brought through into Jesus by the Holy Spirit. We know after the baptism, the Spirit has ascended upon Jesus as a dove. We know that he's filled with the Spirit. We know that he's um, also one with God the Father and God the Spirit. And the answer of the Spirit the spirit, the deity of Christ is not as I will, but as you will. This isn't a contradiction of the wills of Jesus, as some would teach. 
He's perfectly aligned with the Father's will. He's never not aligned with the Father's will. But it's that His humanity is subject to His, to his deity. His body, His flesh is subject to His spirit, we would say, in our life. The, the intense struggle that His flesh is having to resist the pain that's coming, which all of us have, is being subjected by the strength of His Spirit. Friends, all of us have the power, and God help us, all of us have the power to subject our flesh and not let it control our outcomes. All of us have that power, and that's what Jesus is showing us here. My flesh doesn't want to do this, but it's not a question of, of if I'm going to do it or not. I'm going to live this out, but it, to us, the reader, this was not pleasant. This was not easy. This was not, oh yeah, Jesus died on the cross. No, this is pain and torture and, and humiliation and ex extreme pain, excruciating pain. And it's not something that, that anybody would look forward to knowing that it's coming. So in, in Hebrews 5, some of this is captured. In Hebrews 5, chapter 7, it says, In the days of his flesh, or while he was in on the earth in his bodily form, Jesus offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death, and he was heard because of his reverence. What I wanted to point out here is that Jesus isn't having a... This is referring to the Garden of Gethsemane. Jesus isn't having just this quiet, pious prayer between him and the Father. When he says he's overwhelmed to the point of death and sorrow, when he tells his disciples that, that's really where he's at. He's really emotionally working uh, through this. So it says, with loud cries and tears. Now the other thing I want to notice here is just the setting. Jesus has left uh, 12 over there, taken three, so there's nine, there's one that deserted, so there's eight. He's taken three over here. All of them presumably would be within earshot of, of where Jesus is. And he's gone away. Now he's left the three and he goes away to pray for an hour by himself. What type of prayer is he doing? This type of prayer with loud cries and tears. Okay? To the one who is able to save him. Now listen. Verse 40 tells us, And when he came back after that hour to his disciples, how did he find them? fell asleep. Jesus had shared with them the burden that was on his heart. Jesus had called them away and invited them to a vulnerable place with him. Had chosen to reveal more of his heart to them than anybody else. And then he went away and was praying with loud cries and tears, Scripture tells us. And while all of that was happening, still, the disciples, Peter, who's pretty, pretty confident that whatever Jesus is going through, Peter's already got his answer, right? P Peter's already good. He found them sleeping. And I wonder how many times, you know, in our Christianity, in our, in our walk with God, God has invited us to a closer place with Him. And the things in our life have, have when Jesus has come back, we're, we're kind of sleeping. And not, not really sleeping, but we're sleeping in, in our work schedule. 
we're not accessible to the place of carrying the burdens with Jesus. We're, we're sleeping, running our kids around to different camps and soccer and basketball, and we're, we're, we're sleeping, you know, doing, just doing life. We're just, life is so busy that we don't have time to come away and really watch with him. He says, watch with me. Would you keep watch with me? I said, Jesus, I don't, I don't want to be, I don't want to be that leader, that dad, that father, that husband that you find sleeping. when you've invited me in through the Holy of Holies, when through your own body and blood you've paid a way for me to be close to you, to know your heart, to know your burdens, and you've shared them with me, I don't, I don't want you to come back and find me sleeping. And he said to Peter, now in, in the gospel syn, uh, synopsis of the gospels, you'll see that when he says Peter, he's addressing the three of them. But he, go, he, he, he definitely addresses Peter. See, this is before Peter's denial. But he's already showing Jesus he's not ready. But Peter's not quite getting it. But he's already showing Jesus that he's not right, ready for it. I know there have been times in my life where God has called me to things and... and He's called me to a preparation. And if we prepare with him, then he finds us awake, and then we can engage the next assignment. But if he finds us sleeping, then what does he do? Back here again. He says, you could not watch with me one hour. Now let me diagram this. And we have to deal with the Christianese, the Christian language around prayer. Don't say you're going to pray for somebody if you're not going to pray for them. <laughs> it's kind of something we say, oh, I'll be praying for you. Well, let's just not. Let's just either not say that or say something different or do it. I don't know. But um, all the years I've spent around church, I've heard that phrase so many times. But Peter said to Jesus, you know, I'm with you, man. I'm with you. Be praying for you. I got you. I'll never leave you. Let's just let's just be more human and honest, okay? Or more disciplined. I don't know. But Jesus said, "Keep watch with me," and that assignment didn't carry through, did it? It didn't come back up to the Father. The disciples weren't helping Jesus, weren't praying with Jesus for what Jesus was about to endure. But the second time he comes back, the first time he said, watch with me. The second time he, he changes it. He adds it a bit. He's, he's like, okay, well, you're not, you're not going to apparently be in my journey to, to watch with me. So let me tell you another reason you should be awake and in prayer. Verse 41, watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. And that's the piece that sometimes as Christians we don't agree with. No, God, I'm ready. God, let's do this. But God looks at us like he looked at Peter and says, look, I see your spirit is willing. 
but you you just you just need some more discipline, some more life in God. But the flesh is weak. So second time through, Jesus goes away and prays. He comes back. What does he find? He comes back and he finds them again in the same place, right? And the interesting thing is Jesus goes and prays, you know, the same prayer and loud cries. And, and we know in Luke's account of this passage that God is hearing his cry, sends an angel from heaven to strengthen Jesus. And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. All of this is happening. Jesus is by himself because the people he's called to keep watch with him aren't understanding this, the, the moment. They're not grabbing the moment. They're letting it pass him. Friends, I believe right now as we're in latter days, as we're in times when things in our world are, are, are bad fast, getting worse fast, we're in a keep watch season, aren't we? We're, we're not just in a keep watch moment in, in a garden. We're in a keep watch lifestyle. We're, we're in a period where things are shifting quickly all around us and some Christians are just being lulled to sleep. They're just being lulled to sleep. They're just working out their own life and all these things around them are showing us the signs of, of the times are now. That at any moment Jesus can come back and Jesus will come back just like he came back from his hour of prayer to visit the disciples. He's coming back physically and visibly again. And he says, don't be sleeping. Don't be asleep. We, we're asleep when we leave the spiritual burden of our life on our pastor. We're asleep when we relegate the prayer to the, the prayer team and the prayer meeting. We're asleep when we visit church and make it a part of our life, but we're not really walking with God in the invitation that he's given us in a quiet way. We haven't built that relationship in our life. We're not guarding time away with him. And then we're sleeping. Even at church, I believe we can be sleeping. I believe there's a way to be at church and to be asleep. Being in agony, he prayed more. But you know what I'm talking about? It's like Peter, there's Christians that they, they really think they're okay. They're doing what they know to do and they really don't think that there's more that they need and and Jesus has this beckoning call to this invitation this priestly ministry for every Christian to be alone with him to be offering sweet incense your prayers your tears your travail your sharing of God's burden in the quiet moments when nobody is watching you that's the deeper life in Christ that's what it means to really be a disciple of Jesus Christ and God is looking for those vessels to, to be open to Him, to be willing to keep watch with Him, to be willing to, to stay vigilant in this hour of busyness and activity and progress and wealth, to be able to slow down, to be still and know that He is God and to be vigilant in our spirits to say, everything in my life may be working well or good, but I'm chasing after God like I've never chased Him before. I believe there's a call, too, for your church, and one of the reasons I wanted to share this message is I believe that there are some seasoned Christians here that God has invited you into this place, and sometimes we, we stand outside of a more intimate place like Peter, and I just want to challenge us this morning, because friends, I've been there, 
And I want to challenge us, and I want to say, you know, let's just practice this humility that we're not there yet. Let's just admit it to ourselves. I'm not, I'm not there yet. Friends, I'm not there yet. I stand up and, and preach, but I tremble at the word of God because I know that I'm not there yet. Let's just with this humility say, God, if you're inviting me into a deeper place, then I want to respond. I don't want to be asleep. I don't want to get back after church, back into my rhythm, and just let this be another day at church, another message gone by. But Lord, I do sense your spirit. I have sensed you drawing me. I do know that you're asking for more of me. I do know that there's more in this relationship with you. And God, today I just want to submit. I want to surrender that to you. You know what happens here is Jesus was trying to protect Peter. Jesus really wanted Peter to be where Peter thought he was. He did. He wanted Peter to to be the mighty man that that Peter wanted to be. Verse 41, that's a statement. Jesus is trying to protect Peter. Because how many of you know the rest of the story? As you read Matthew 26, when Jesus is getting arrested, what does Peter do? He reaches for his sword, his earthly weapon. It's a completely spiritual battle. But Peter's been asleep, so how does he fight? From the flesh. He sees men coming, to take a man. And he protects that man like he would protect a man. But Jesus saw the purpose of God being fulfilled and knew what was behind it and said, Peter, sheathe your sword. And then he put together the ear. This is not a spiritual battle. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and darkness and, and realms that are unseen. But because Peter had not stayed awake, because he had not stayed vigilant, when, when the enemy came, when the trial came, he didn't meet it with spiritual strength. He met it with flesh. And that's the thing, guys. We're all the same. We're all the same. We're going to have trials in our life. We're going to face tribulations and sufferings and trials of many kinds. When we're in a place of preparedness, of vigilance in God, we handle them totally different than when we've been sleeping in our earthly patterns, right? Now, how many of you have been wounded by another Christian? I didn't ask if they were in this room. I just mean like your total life, you've been, you've been wounded by another Christian, right? I have. And, I, and I'm sure, unfortunately, that I've been on the, the wounding side as well. When those moments are happening, it's most of the time happening because one of those Christians is, is acting out of the flesh instead of out of the Spirit. You see what I'm saying? In Galatians, we're told to walk by the Spirit. Walk in step with the Spirit. And then we won't give in to the cravings of the flesh in, in sin, but also in working with one another. How do we protect the community of God, the church, Well, if everybody's staying vigilant, then we're going to see each other with spiritual eyes with this love that covers a multitude of wrongs. And we're going to be sheathing our swords. I preached a message one time called the jar of ears. Because sometimes we're just walking around just... 
you know, handling everything, everybody that bothers us, everybody that gets on our bad side or, you know, we've got a verse for everything, right? We can misapply them. And that's, you know, Peter really thought he was, he was doing, doing right. But he had kind of missed the whole, the whole period with Jesus, didn't he? He kind of missed the whole point. I'm like, God, I can remember stories in my life where I've missed the whole point of, of a season, of an event, of an experience. I don't, I'm not sure that I have time for that again. I want to get it right the next time. Lord, would you speak to me? Lord, would you bring me in? And he says, well, will you come in? Will you enter in? Will you come away with me? Will you be prepared? Earlier this week, I... Uh, had a two-night retreat with one of my friends, and it was just a time to get away with God. And both of our schedules were full, and I almost canceled at the last minute. If you've ever been on a, a retreat or a time away with God, you'll encounter the same thing. It's just almost impossible to get away for an extended period of time. And he had things going on in his schedule too, but neither one of us canceled, so we, we showed up. Uh, just involved in our lives. And the first night when we got into worship and prayer, we just gave it over to God. And then for the next 24, 36 hours, just sitting before Him and letting Him talk to us. And I filled up a whole journal of notes. And one of the things that God spoke to me in that time of, of just keeping watch, of being vigilant, was I was looking out and... Uh, just in prayer over some things in my own life. And I saw these hawks or eagles, these giant birds just circling, about eight of them. And for a minute, I took a minute video on my phone. And for that whole minute, they didn't flap their wings one time. And they were moving about wherever they wanted to go. And God said, who's, who's providing the wind? And I said, you are. And what, what do they have to do? They just have to stand there with their wings out. And he brought to me a passage from Isaiah about running and not being weary, about renewing our youth like the eagles, and about him being able to cause us to soar. All that flapping, just stop. Stop flapping and start soaring. I said, okay, Lord, can I share that with them? I just did. <laughs> but I know it's for me, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So that's where I'm at. Lord, I don't, I want to be vigilant with you. So when the next, when, when the trials come, I'm in them now, but whatever comes, I'm ready to handle it in your power and in your spirit instead of in my flesh. Amen. Let's commit this word to prayer and then I have one more uh, announcement for you if you weren't here last week, so hang tight with me, okay? So God, we just commit these, your word back to you, Lord. This is really a picture of what, what Jesus uh, did in the garden. And some of the characters that were involved, the disciples, and Lord, we, we can kind of see ourselves in some of this, and I'm sure there's ways that you have more to teach us about this passage. And so, Lord, would you just, by your Spirit, 
as these scriptures are fresh in our mind and our heart, would you teach us, Lord? You said that your Holy Spirit is our, our teacher and our counselor. Would you teach each one of us, Lord, that wherever we're at in our, our life, we'll be found awake and vigilant will be found as those keeping watch. And whatever we need to adjust to get there, then by your Spirit, would you just highlight that to us? So we can be a church found waiting. We can be individuals found waiting. Not, not relegating, not choosing our, our pastor to be the one found re- ready, or, or the prayer team, or, or other ministry leaders. But God, me, I would be found waiting. I would be vigilant. I would be accepting the invitation to share your burdens and share your heart. Lord, just bless each person here. Bless us with intimacy with you, alone time with you. That you would renew our, our spirits and strengthen our souls. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen.